Join me in my latest episode of Every Teacher Counts, where I'm about to interview Neve McQuillan, an educational and leadership expert and founder of Ripple Out Now. Hello. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Stephanie? I'm well. How are you, Neve? I'm well. So thank you for joining me on my podcast. You are very welcome. I'm delighted to be here. And just to give a little insight, it is an everyday Wednesday morning in March. And for my listeners, we are in the midst of the coronavirus. Um, So that puts you in a frame of sort of history if you're listening to this later. And I've invited Neve McQuillan, who has designed a framework for leadership for women, to be my guest this afternoon or this morning to talk a little bit about how the framework came into being, why it's so important and vital and how it can help women in general and and a little bit of specifics about educators as we are navigating our future. Did I do that justice, Neve, to talk about sort of what it is you created? Yes, you did. You did a very good job, Stephanie. I think there's one thing that I will add to it as well is that what I've learned about the framework um, is that it is provides a language for women to name and own their leadership experiences, and it provides a structure for, the, for them to understand their leadership experiences in the context of their lives. I've come to understand that uh, over, my, the, over the course of the couple of years of working with it. So if you could give us just a little personal or professional background before we get into the leadership framework itself, I think that would be helpful for my listeners. Well, I'm a teacher in Baltimore County, as you are, Stephanie. Um, I've been teaching for 24 years, and I've been in education for 24 years. I was in the classroom for 18 years, uh, teaching English and every subject around English, journalism, SAT, uh, theater, creative writing, um, speech, all of those things. And then I moved into a staff development position in Baltimore County. I did that for five years. And then I recently moved into a new position. And it is uh, the coordinator of professional learning for the Office of Organizational Effectiveness in Baltimore County. And I work with adults and um, learning. It's it's a very, very cool job. I feel very lucky to have it. Um, so in my years of work, um, I had one particularly challenging year. And, you know, I had as a teacher, you know, and a leader in a school, you always deal with the politics of um, the schoolhouse and different dynamics of power. But in this particular school, it was far more intense than anything I'd ever experienced before. And um, I I reached out to a lot of female um, teachers that I knew. I mean, women that were experts who'd been teaching and doing this work for decades, and none of them had an answer for the problems that I faced. So at that point, I kind of realized that I had to find my own answers. And what I saw was that Um, All of my studying about leadership, like my master's is in leadership, um, it was all theoretical. It was all abstract. There were no courses that said, hey, this is what you do when the bad stuff hits the fan. So what I went out looking for was really practical solutions for situations that can arise at work. And through my studying and my reading, um, one day I just like literally it was a eureka moment. I walked into the bedroom and I looked out the window and I thought there are basic rights 
um, and support systems for women that are not being met that they need to have in place in order to be able to be leaders in our world. Because the way things stand right now, Stephanie, um, the population of the world is 50.8% women. And yet even at its highest level, um, women's leadership never exceeds 18% in any industry, which is pretty depressing because this is 2020. And if we continue on the leadership growth um, for women's leadership that we are on now, women will not have leadership parity until 2085. Um, I'm pretty sure both of us will be dead at that point. Hey, now, speak for yourself. I plan to live <laughs> to be over 100. Okay, cool. Um, cool. I'd like that too, I think, as long as I'm healthy. <laughs> yeah. So I had the the pleasure of working through the leadership framework with you yesterday. And um, I will say that definitely the work that you're doing has provided me with some new insights and some new ways to look at my role as, as a teacher, as a leader, as a woman, as a mom. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Um, if you could explain a little bit about once you created it, what are you doing with it? And, and what in and of itself have you linked the framework to? I think what you said was exactly what I've come to understand, Stephanie, is that the framework helped you understand who you were as a teacher, as a leader, as a mother, and as, as a wife, and who you are in your family in relation to your larger community. And I'm extrapolating a little bit there. But that's really what I've seen uh, the leadership uh, framework does. And my understanding, and as I said, that this is, it's kind of interesting in that some ways it's so simple and yet in other ways it's so complex. And every time I work with somebody, I understand um, something else about the framework that I hadn't seen yesterday or that I hadn't seen before. Um, men's leadership model tends to be hierarchical. Um, most of the male leadership models that we have in place are thousands of years old and they're based on the male leadership experience. What I have seen from working with women, and this is not all women, this is just a tendency, um, because the male leadership model obviously works for, um, for many women who are incredibly successful in the work that they do. But what I've seen with women's leadership models is that they tend to be community-based, um, almost like intersecting circles, like ripples. Um, their leadership models tend to be more, um, more flattened, they're more um, linked rather than hierarchical. Um, so what happens is that in our traditional leadership um, structures, it's about climbing upward, climbing a ladder, or even climbing a jungle gym, like Sheryl Sandberg says from Lean In, but still that's like moving up. Whereas I've understood that women are stopped by cultural beliefs, by ideas and thoughts that they have that are kind of like in the back of their minds that are not even aware of. So the framework helps them recognize those. And then the framework almost gives them permission to grow in a way they want to grow, as opposed to thinking that they've got to go for that C-suite or they've got to go for that, you know, $500,000 job. And, and it's interesting as I'm thinking about it from the educational lens, which we know that the population of educational workers tends to be mainly female. Mm -hmm. um, but even when you look at leadership in schools, there is a disproportionate number of men who are in leadership positions. And so what impact do you think this framework will have specifically on educators, on, on female teachers? What I've seen the framework do is, because I've done it with a lot of educators, when I do the process of doing the workshop, um, the first thing I, I, we talk about is core values, um, as we did with you yesterday. 
Then what we do is we look at specific leadership experiences that people have. And I ask them to choose maybe about five experiences that they have. And that's usually the sort of like the big bullets. Then what we do is look at how that aligns with your core values. And then we eventually turn to the framework. And what reveals itself is that within um, those specific leadership experiences, people see are able to see like a disconnect that they've experienced. And that disconnect is usually because it, what they've done or what they've experienced doesn't align with their core values. But core values can kind of be an abstract thing, right? So I know yours is to speak your truth. So that's sort of like a big thing. But then we have to look at like, what is this thing that stops us from speaking our truth? Or what is this thing that stops us from creating community? Because creating community is one of my core values. And then when we look at the leadership framework, what we see there is the language and we see the structure that says, oh yes, that's what it was. That's what stopped me. So when I look at educators, um, where I see the power with this is just as, as all people, you know, male or female educators and non-educators, it helps you name and own those experiences that you have. And I've seen everybody have a light bulb moment um, for what has supported them in succeeding in their leadership experiences in their work and also what has stopped them in their leadership experiences in their work. Um, and what what you saw again, what I've seen is that it isn't just necessarily about one specific thing like, oh, I've got to learn how to do formative assessments better, or I've got to learn how to do, um, I've got to learn more about my content. It's never about that. It's about a bigger piece. You know, for me, a, a big piece was about uh, collaboration in communities that I tend to sort of, I, historically, I tended to sort of isolate myself and work very much by myself. And yet what I found is that when I give myself permission and the freedom as an introvert to create community and do that intentionally, my world works a lot better. Um, so the power here for educators is to see, you know, socially, emotionally, personally, where they have gotten stopped. Um, and then also, al alternatively, where they can move forward to grow. Um, and another thing that I think will be very helpful too, and this sort of came up for me yesterday when we were chatting, Stephanie, is that um, education, I think, is the hardest job in the world. Um, it's both a science and an art. And as an educator, we're required not only to understand and know ourselves, but to understand and know our students, um, to be able to recognize and give them a language for them to know who they are. Because unless you're able to establish that relationship and that understanding with your students, you're only going to be able to get so far in your learning and their learning. And this framework provides both that for, for both the, for the teacher and for their ability to understand their students. And what just struck me was when you mentioned that you would sort of squirrel yourself away and be autonomously working. Um, I, like you, work with adults. I'm a staff development teacher, as you know. And in schools, though, they're they're expected, we as teachers are expected to be the the masters in our own classroom, the, the guide on the side, and, and we're this expert. But at the same time, we also are expected to function either within grade level teams or content teams or leadership roles. And I've seen it be very interesting where these independent silos are meant to work together and they're missing a language. So I'd be curious to see how this framework would help teachers be both, mm. be the leader in their classroom as well as a team player, because I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen some pretty serious conflicts happening among people that I'm wondering if now, if it's a core value belief or something's holding them back. I, I, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a great insight, Stephanie. And I've had the exact same experience as well. Teachers experience a tension in that 
they are responsible for their classroom and their students and their students learning. And we have so much, there's so much weight on teachers now with all the testing. So we get that that is like our primary responsibility. And a lot of times anything else we do is just extra. Um, and we just sometimes attend to the meeting, attend the meetings or do our extra things just to get it done so that we can get back to that thing of being in our classroom. So we often don't have the time and the space to develop those skills that we need to be able to understand what it takes to work in groups. Or sometimes we don't have the intentionality to do it. Um, and if we look at the requirement nowadays for social emotional learning, um, this framework addresses, just as you said, that understanding, a bigger understanding of the social emotional learning required to work in groups. Um, in my new job, I've actually, different organizations within the school system have reached out to me to ask me to do presentations. And the things that they always ask me to do, it's about emotional intelligence. It's about how to get along with difficult people. It's about how to work in teams, um, which is fascinating because that, as you said, it, it goes back to that, that thing that you just said about how do we make that transition and build that muscle and that ability to be able to work in teams and recognize the importance of being able to bring our full selves to teams, which I don't think we often do. Yeah, and, and we're facing a very interesting time in education now as we're all sort of social distancing or, or some people are advocating calling it physical distancing and social connectedness through social media. Um, I, I've seen people, teachers, parents, friends, sort of struggling with the same social emotional side of how to remain connected while we're all physically sort of of being distant. Um, could you speak a little bit to how you think either a social emotional knowledge is important now or some strategies that we can employ both inside this unique situation as well as once things return to normal, whatever that is, to help teachers navigate the social emotional side? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, and actually I have been, that's another thing that I've been working on with great intentionality for um, many years is the idea of mindfulness. And I know that is a word that's overused. Um, what I have noticed about myself is that I have been and can be um, sometimes hooked and drawn into things by something that I don't understand in myself. And when that occurs for me and has occurred for me in the past. And when I started to recognize and distinguish that that was happening, what I saw was that the reason it was happening was because of me. Yes, there could be lots of things and stimuli going on in the outside, but as we always say, the only thing I can control is myself. Um, so what I did was become very intentional about my practice of mindfulness and, um, and meditation. If there were one thing that I would say to give to people, during this time when we're at home is to start a meditation practice um, because what it does is allows you to get to know yourself um, and in all these stuff that i've done and read probably like in the last 25 years with meditation the clearest explanation for meditation for me came from pema children she's a buddhist nun um, who an american buddhist nun who works up in gampo abbey in um, nova scotia she said, we come to our seats every single day to meditate, to know who we are and just to sit and to sit with those uncomfortable emotions. So when you sit down on the mat and you feel um, anxious or you feel irritated or you kind of get the a case of the jitters, when you determine 
that you're going to sit for just 20 minutes, you start recognizing what those experiences and those emotions and feelings are like. You start recognizing where they reside in your body, where they sit in your body. So then when you are in the outside world and somebody does, does something or a situation occurs, you're able to say, oh, I recognize that. Yes, that's that experience that I had when I've got to sit on my mat for 20 minutes every single day. It's that feeling of anxiety or that feeling of fear. Um, and then you're able to, to know how to manage it. So, yeah, I think that's the one thing I would say. And, and what's interesting is I was speaking with a client earlier in the week, um, and we talked about the different forms of meditation, that it doesn't just have to be the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I think the only thing I would add is that if you – because this person mentioned that they had tried meditation a lot of times before and it wasn't until they they kept looking for a different form mm. that fit them and they finally gelled mm -hmm. with one and had that that breakthrough moment um i think this is a great time where, where we have the time and the space to sort of experiment and there are so many um resources available online that we can access where it's actually somebody else just doing the talking and we can do it in the privacy of our own home that I think that that's an interesting piece too, because even when I looked at the framework, I saw something different. You, it was in one location in the framework, but for me, it was in a very different level of, of my need. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's what's so great about the leadership framework, as well as the practice of mindfulness and meditation that people can personalize it. And what works for someone else doesn't necessarily have to work for them. Um, the same way you were talking about students that, you know, one thing I tell my teachers is you can't help who you look like. You can't help who you're going to remind mm. the student of. There, there might be something in their past, a trauma, an issue that you might never be able to overcome and have a close relationship with. But even that knowledge is more important because you might approach that student differently or look who the student has a, a relationship with in the building. Um, could you tell us a little bit before we, we hop off about um, the work you're doing with your Ripple Out? Please? Sure. And actually, before I jump in to do that, there's something, something that you said there, Stephanie, that relates to the question that you also asked. What I've seen, um, and I know you've seen this as an educator as well, is that we all have to find our own pathways to our learning. And it doesn't really make any difference where you start but you choose a place that resonates with you. And from there, then you can start developing this understanding of who you are in relation to the world. So when it comes to the meditation, like you said, your friend, like choosing and you know trying these multiple ways of meditation and finding finally finding a way to gel with her, um, that also speaks to the framework. You know, when you were going through it yesterday, you said, oh, well, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a lot when you first look at it, just share with other people your methodology for being able to find your entry point into it. And what I would say with this is, um, yes, that, it, you know, you can find your entry point anywhere you want in the framework. Um, and that connects to Ripple Out, because the idea about Ripple Out is if you imagine, the reason I, I called it Ripple Out is like if you see a huge lake, right, and it's completely still, and you had five different people who stood around the circumference of the lake and threw a pebble in, what you would see is the moment that the pebble hits the water, there's that focus point of the ripple, right? And then all the ripples that come out from it. 
And then what you would see with all those people throwing in the rocks is you would see those focus points, those five or six focus points from where the rock or pebble initially dropped. And then as you watch the lake, you would see all their ripples intersect. And that's the idea of ripple out. It's a women's forum for intentional leadership. And the point is, is that you start where you are with that, that point where your pebble hits the water, that point that speaks to who you are, your core values, your experiences. And then you expand out from there. And then what you're able to do is intersect and connect with all those other people in your life. And what you do, what you bring to the world interconnects with them and inspires them, just as the work that we're doing. You know, our work together has really, I found great inspiration from you in so many different ways, watching um, your educational work and also your, your coaching work. Um, you know, we've, we've supported and expanded and grown with each other based on a love and a desire that is particular to us. And what is, how could people access this network that you've created for mm. Ripple Owl? Well, I'm on Facebook and um, you can find me under Neve McQuillan, which is an unusual spelling. I'm assuming you're going to put it um, up when you uh, post this uh, because no Absolutely. one's looking how to yep. spell it when I just say it. Um, <laughs> if you, you can also look for Ripple Out Now on Facebook and you can go to my website called rippleoutnow.com. Um, and in rippleoutnow.com, what I've done is I've spent the last um, year and a half asking powerful questions to women. You know, um, what wisdom do you have to offer? Um, what obstacles do you have to overcome? Uh, what did you do to make this happen? And uh, it's all sort of women from all different areas of life and, and different things that they've done. And each little video is probably anywhere between 30 seconds to yours is the longest. I just put it up yesterday. It's 15 minutes. Um, and it just gives little insights to women uh, and what they're doing to be able to build and grow leadership in their lives. And I will certainly be sure to include the the links for my listeners in the um, information about the podcast. Well, I just wanted to thank you for taking time to share your wisdom and your leadership framework with us. And um, it's been great talking. You too, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.